episode 190. Bonus edition, interview with Jakari J.T. Taylor. This is Dr. Sheldon L. Akins, host of the Leading Equity Podcast and a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. For more great podcasts, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Hey, Lean Educators, this is Gretchen from Always a Lesson here to empower you to reach your potential. I have been calling you elite for quite a long time now. So you know that I admire you, I appreciate you, and I define you as elite because you are taking the time to invest in yourself right now by listening to a podcast to hone your craft. You could be doing a million other things right now and you are choosing to invest in you so that you can be your better self for students today, tomorrow, and forever. So thank you for tuning in, especially today because we have a guest appearance. I want to help you reignite your passion and your potential by learning from another elite educator who we call JT. He has got an empowering message that'll knock your socks off. Before we even dive into the interview and before I share details on who JT is, I want to let you in behind the scenes. So during an interview, I meet with guests really quick to chat about what this interview is going to be like, answer any questions, and then we hit record. So I'm going to let you hear a question that he asked me prior to us going live because it's something I don't know that I've really shared in depth, and I think it might inspire you if you are going to decide to do something similar yourself or with your students this year. So let's pull back the curtain and hear what JT asked me. I guess, yes, I do have one question for you. What inspired you to start a podcast? That's a good Especially question. Especially for uh, empowering educators. So I, for me, I had a blog and a lot of folks just stopped having time to read. And I knew I had information I wanted to convey, things I was learning, people I was running into, and I wanted to share my knowledge. Mm-hmm. And someone had mentioned a podcast, never in my life heard of it, never even listened to one. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And all of a sudden, I just taught myself how to do this. And it's worked great. It's like an audio blog. So I feel like I'm still able to help teachers. And I've really loved connecting with folks because, gosh, there are so many great people around the world that we just don't know about. Um, Absolutely. You know, our PLC is so small, but it just in through social media grows so big. You're absolutely right. I, I agree with you 100 percent. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you felt compelled to start a podcast. Um, Even though I have never been interviewed on one, I listen to podcasts, um, you know, weekly. Oh, good. Um, and I and I enjoy, you know, just listening to the different conversations that, you know, other professionals are having because, you know, it just kind of sharpens me and um, I enjoy it. Totally. 
Okay, elite educators, so now you know that we have to learn from the people that are in front of us. I realize that y'all are on the go, that reading a blog wasn't going to work. You needed to be able to get empowered while on the move. So I adjusted, and that's what educators do is we adjust to the folks that are in front of us. So I want you to make sure you're doing that this year. As students tell you what they need, as they give you that feedback, watch their behavior, dig in deeper and ask why, you are going to be able to adjust your instruction, adjust your leadership in the classroom and the school building so that you can meet the needs of those that are in front of you. You're showing up every day for them, so you might as well make sure you are your best, giving your best, doing your best every day for them. I'm so glad JT stopped me in my tracks and just said, hey, why did you decide to do this? And what is the point of this platform for you? And I want you to think about that as you go into your year this fall is what made you go into teaching? How do you plan on using your talents to affect change? And as you listen to this interview with JT today, I think you're going to realize why his story is going to be a pivotal moment in your career. And I'm going to tell you right now what he has done for me. I found JT on social media, Twitter to be exact. A lot of you hate on Twitter. You don't get Twitter. It's not pretty like Instagram and Facebook, but it's really where the best professional development is. It's where all the greatest of the great hang. And yes, it's a little bit more intellectual, but that's where the gems are. Uh, That's where the free PD is, the connections, building your own PLN. It's all right there for you. I mean, if you're only holding yourself back by not trying it. If you haven't tried a Twitter chat, please get on there. If you haven't even made a profile, do at least that. Um, I'm someone you can follow. I mean, my social media handles are in every episode. They're on my website, alwaysalesson.com. Like, let's connect. I will help you up your Twitter game. But I digress. So JT had this photo that he posted. By the way, if you want to follow JT, his Twitter handle is Purpose Pushers. And he had this picture, the side-by-side of a younger gentleman in a white t-shirt and I'm going to guess a do-rag on his head, not looking very happy or excited to even have his photo taken. Then there's this man on the right and he's in a suit. He's got a white shirt on, a grayish suit and a tie, a beautiful looking tie, greens and yellows and oranges. Um, He's got a well-trained mustache and beard and his hair is cleanly cut and he's smiling and he's looking right at the camera, just like the picture on the left, but their eyes are different and their facial expressions are different and their clothing is different and it's the same person and it's him. This is what he said. This was his tweet. The picture on the left contains a profound lesson about poverty, trauma, and the need for equity in schools. My upbringing informs my practice as an educator. Nevertheless, the moral of this story is all kids can be reached. Hashtag I am living proof. Hashtag teachers with a purpose. I mean, oh my God, I've got goosebumps right now. This was from January 13th, 2019 at 2.25 p.m. He tweeted that. And I found it and I tweeted him. I was like, I have got to have you on the podcast. Oh my God, I got to know your story. Your picture shocked me because it is exactly the kids that I have worked with for so many years and how deep inside I saw what they were capable of. And sometimes societal pressures and peer pressure and just the community making you think you had only one type of future. And you could be so much more. You could be whatever you want to be. 
And I don't think we say that message loud and clear. And if we do say that message, I don't think we follow it up with supports to make it happen. Every kid needs a guide. Every kid needs step-by-step directions. So don't ever discount any of your students. Uh, so JT is is powerful. Um, I'm going to share that tweet and that photo in the show notes. When you go to alwayslesson.com, click on podcast, you'll find his episode there. So now that I got your attention, because I know you're like, holy cow, tell me more about this person. Let me tell you a little bit more about him. So Jakari JT Taylor was born to be a purpose pusher. His life's work demonstrates his passion for cultivating, motivating, and inspiring people from all walks of life. I mean, I can attest to that, right? Yet JT's life story may not fit the mold of an ideal purpose pusher. When he was just a child, he went from living in a 1987 Ford Fairmont to a packed homeless shelter. Oh my gosh, I could cry right now. Then, after his mother applied for Section 8 housing, they soon relocated to a tough neighborhood in the South Norfolk area of Chesapeake, Virginia. He attended Title I schools as a struggling student who failed to realize his academic potential. Yet, in spite of the adversities he encountered as a youth, JT emerged out of an impoverished single-parent upbringing with a desire to push others into their divine purpose in life. JT is now a transformational educator who has three earned degrees in magna cum laude, and he is the 2017 Citywide Teacher of the Year for Chesapeake Public Schools in Virginia. JT is also the founder of Purpose Pushers, LLC, which is a hybrid educational consulting company that couples research-based professional development with motivational speaking. He has written five books and presented at numerous K-12 schools, colleges, universities, and professional conferences across the East Coast. And at the bottom of every email is this quote, purpose is everywhere. All it needs is a push. Y'all, this man is remarkable, and he is just like every student that's sitting in front of you today. They don't know what they might become, but you do. You can see their talents. You can see that excitement. You can see their passion. You can see their purpose, and it's our jobs as educators to help them hone their own craft, to help them open up to what's inside, to help them own what was given to them and what they plan on doing with it. I can't tell you enough how honored I am to have talked with JT to introduce him to you today. If you get nothing out of this episode, please know this. Teachers are oftentimes the make it or break it line of defense for a kid. And I don't want any kid on my watch to say no one believed in me. No one told me I was good enough. No. The buck stops with me You're going to know you're good enough and you're going to know that you can do great things and you're going to spend time figuring out what those things are in my classroom. Whatever I have to do, what if I have to learn about things I never learned about before to help your interests peak and to help you strengthen your talents and get that knowledge base and reach out to folks I didn't know existed because you're interested in their line of work, then I'm going to do it because you're worth it. You're enough. And you're going to be somebody great. So please join me in giving a warm welcome to a fellow elite educator, JT. Let's dive into the interview. Hey, JT. Thanks so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. 
Hey, Gretchen, look, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored um, to be here with you um, to discuss educational things. That's my passion. Absolutely. And we have tons of educators that are tuning in around the world. So I'm going to jump into all the goodness for this episode. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. So let's start with how our two paths cross. Can you fill us in? Yes. Well, you know, um, there has been this one thing trending on social media. It was somewhat like a 10 year, uh, 12 year, 15 year challenge uh, when people were kind of posting a photo from 10 years ago Mm -hmm. um, in comparison to where they are today. And so I I posted a photo like that um, on Twitter and it kind of picked up some momentum and a lot of people began tweeting it. And I think almost 260 some odd tweets later, um, you know, a lot of people had saw the photo and was just uh, blown away by the the, the transformation that I had, um, you know, gone through over the course of 10 to 12 years. And so I think that's kind of how we got connected Mm -hmm. um, as educators. Yeah. So tell us the description, if you would, the person on the left of that photo and then the person on the right. And I'll include this picture for those of you wanting to see it in the show (laughs) notes. But describe to us what the difference was. Okay. well, the individual on the left was uh, who I was in in my teenage years. I had experienced um, a lot of trauma growing up. I grew up in a single parent home and um, my my family, my mother, my brother, and myself, we went through a period where we were homeless, and oh, uh, then we lived in um, a rough neighborhood, a Section Eight apartment complex that mm-hmm. was pretty much riddled with drugs and violence, and you know the things that are uh, typically in those type of settings. And so I pretty much had to conform to my environment, and mm-hmm. I was an angry young man. I struggled with my emotions and. Um, So that was the image on the left. And then it was juxtaposed with the image on the right, which was who I am today. You know, today I I am an educator, um, a father, a husband, um, you know, an instructional coach, um, CEO of of my own business, Purpose Pushers LLC. And I'm also an author. And so when you look at those two images, I mean, it's like apples to oranges. Totally. (laughs) Yeah, when I saw that come across my feed, I didn't know about the challenge at this point. So I just thought you had been sharing. And I stopped and thought, oh, my God. And the reason it hit me was because I thought about all the students that I looked at and made assumptions about. Like, they're not motivated. Uh, They don't want to succeed or they don't have dreams or they don't have goals or ambitions or they don't want to be good at school or – Like you said, you felt like you had to conform. And so I just saw that and I saw the anger in that picture. And then to see the person on the right who's so accomplished and so poised, like that's what stuck out to me was just that demeanor that came through the photo. And I thought he has become more than I would have ever thought just looking at that person on the left. And why is that? It almost bothered me that I would have given up or not even pushed that person on the left. And I just thought about all those students, like how many kids did I let just be mediocre because they really had it inside them, but I didn't take the time to figure it out. And I just felt that guilt. And I was like, I have got to hear his story. I've got to connect with them. If something (laughs) helps other teachers not do what I did, you know, and miss those moments of opportunity. Absolutely. And I, and I'll tell you, um, My personal story is what inspires me to do what I do, because um, I think uh, a lot of times educators, we mean well, we really do want to reach all students. But over time, as we're trying to educate and trying to help uh, students get it, 
um, we get frustrated just naturally because we do put our hearts and our souls into what we do. And sometimes when we don't see the fruits that we expect to see, you know, we get discouraged in the process. Um, and so my own upbringing, it, it, it encourages me because even though I was that student, Right. And I was unmotivated. Um, I did not come to school to succeed. I wasn't I was present, but I wasn't necessarily right. available for learning. Mm, I like um, that. But I but I had a couple teachers who they refused to give up on me. I mean, they were the most persistent human beings that I had ever met. And um, they would use their words to encourage me on a daily basis. And I mean, some days they would encourage me on Monday. And I'm sure they, they thought that, you know, we were making tremendous progress. Um, and then on Tuesday, I would come back in being the angry guy, mm. you know, belligerent or boisterous or, you know, just disengaged, unwilling to participate. Um, and it took a tremendous amount of grit and perseverance on their part because um, I didn't care at that moment. But right. they were willing to persuade me that, um, you know, that I had something to offer and I had tremendous potential. And so they used their words to, to tell me that frequently. And when did it click or why did it click? You know, it, it's amazing because, to be honest, it took such a long time for it to click. Um, it was like uh, the first teacher who I considered to be a teacher with a purpose. Um, I had him, Mr. Boone. He was my fourth grade teacher. He was, you know, always trying to invest in me. I didn't get it. Um, I was, you know, passed on to teachers through middle school and then high school. I had another teacher, Miss Patricia Bookman, and she was the same. She was the most compassionate individual that I had ever met. And she was certainly trying to inspire me to, to be uh, my best and to achieve to my potential. Um, but I still didn't get it even then. And so when I finally arrived at college, which I really don't know how I made it because <laughs> my GPA was so low at the time. Um, but nevertheless, I got there and then I, I, I uh, encountered a professor and he was the same as the other two teachers who were very encouraging. And he also was just trying to get me to understand what I had to offer and my potential. And so then I think it clicked over time. And so mm -hmm. I like to say it's kind of like a, a cumulative effect right. um, that when you have numerous teachers who are kind of saying the same thing that your parents say sometimes, but you don't always listen. Right. Um, then you kind of get it. So I think it just takes numerous teachers. And sometimes for some kids, it may take one. Um, but for me, I needed to hear the, the same message multiple different ways from many different people before it began to click. Yeah. And you talked about your environment kind of shaping your attitude or your behavior. So did those same people that you hung out with also go into college or, or what made you say, hey, I actually want to do this? Yeah. You know, I tell you what, um, out of 10 of the guys who I pretty much was associated with during my upbringing, none of those guys went to college. I was the only one who, who went to college. Um, but my situation was somewhat different because I had my first child when I was 17 years old. Um, and then I had my second son when I was 18 years old. So at that point, um, I knew in my mind I didn't want to be like my father who was absent. So mm. that was kind of the inspiration as well. I had multiple things going on at the same time. And so I said, I've got to do something with my life. I've got to be a good father. I've got to be present. And what better um, situation to, to put myself in was to try to go to college and make something you know, of my life. And so that also with um, working at the same time with certain educators who were there inspiring me, my mother who was always encouraging. And then it was, you know, my sons. I looked at my two boys at the time and I, I know what I did not want them to experience what I had experienced during mm -hmm. my upbringing. So um, that also motivated me to um, to go to college. 
what did you know you wanted to major in? Did you think about education? I mean, you hated it for so long. I'm shocked you went that direction. <laughs> I tell you, even that question is so packed with, uh, I mean, oh my goodness, because for me, Gretchen, I switched my major seven times in college. Oh, wow. I had no <laughs> idea what I wanted to do. I was just there. <laughs> and so um, my the first thing I majored in was business. I mean, because uh, you know, I grew up in an impoverished environment. So the, the most important thing for me at that time was being able to provide and being able to make some money. And so I said, well, who makes a lot of money? And I said, oh, well, businessmen do. So I, so I started majoring in business and I took a, a macro and microeconomics class in the same semester and almost Ooh, killed myself. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, I need to switch that. And then I said, well, who else makes money? And I thought, well, lawyers do. So I started majoring in political science. And that's where I met my professor, um, Professor Prudhomme, who inspired me. He was a constitutional lawyer, Princeton grad. So he was a tremendous influence on my life. And so I asked him what he majored in. And he said, well, I triple majored in college. Hmm. I said, well, I think I'm going to do the same thing. So uh, (laughs) I switched my major again and I I tried to triple major in philosophy, political science and history. Um, And then even then, I wasn't necessarily satisfied. um, and, And I had to take one elective. It was like a basic English class. And when I took that elective, I had read um. Frederick Douglass's book, The Narrative Life of Frederick Douglass's autobiography and in that freedom and learning how to read and all of those things. And then I thought to myself, I said, you know what, I, I need to become a teacher. And so I switched my major again and um, <laughs> I ended up going into the field of education and I, I started out as a teacher assistant while I was actually completing my undergrad degree. And um, I fell in love with students who had um, special needs, specifically those who um, fall under the IDA category of um, emotional disability. Okay. And so um, that's where I started out. I, my, my first 10 years, I was working in um, in the high school that I actually graduated from. So oh, that was awesome. that was amazing because <laughs> some of the teachers that had, you know, experienced me in school were still there <laughs> when I became back as an educator. They're like, whoa, okay, transformation. <laughs> yes. So walk us through. So you started off there and then what led you to your current position today? Um, well, um, my last year at my my high school, my alma mater, I had one teacher of the year. Congratulations. Um, was, yes, thank you. It was a tremendous, I mean, a life changing experience for me, for my family, for everyone who, you know, who saw my transition and saw my transformation. Everybody was just amazed by, you know, the progress. Um, and so I'll never forget I was um, I was I made it to um, the finalists for, you know, overall citywide teacher of the year. I was mm-hmm. one of the 10 finalists out of my district of 47 other teachers wow. who had one teacher of the year in their buildings. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, we got to the last three and they're announcing the elementary school teacher of the year and um, the secondary teacher of the year. And then they finally announced the overall citywide teacher of the year. And lo and behold, I won the overall citywide teacher of the year. (laughs) It's amazing. So um, after that, you know, um, there was a a shaking in a sense of principals who were retiring and different things. And so my assistant principal of instruction who was working at the high school with me, she had received a promotion to be the principal at the middle school. Um, And when she got there, you know, the middle school at the time was not accredited, even though we had been accredited at the high school, um, the feeder school, you know, was not accredited. And so she got there and she saw how much work that she was going to have to do to try to, you know, turn the school around. 
And so she came to me with a proposition and she said, hey, JT, I'm, I'm going to be the principal there. There's a position there, the title one instructional coach. Um, would you be interested? And of course, I'm thinking um, now this is the middle school that I attended. So <laughs> I, I said, I'll, I'll come down. And so I did. I, I came down as the title one instructional coach um, almost three years ago. And that's where I've been, you know, working with the teachers um, at the school that I once attended when I was in middle school. This is this story is just too good to be true. <laughs> I love it. Well, you have been able to see lots of great teachers now as a coach. So what would you say makes an educator great? Oh, man, it's you know, we, we know that educators wear so many hats and you have to be so multifaceted. You have to be. Um, organized. You have to be analytical. You have to understand curriculum framework. You have to understand alignment. There's so many things that you need. But um, I think above everything else, I think you need um, you need to have the right heart. I think, uh, you know, you can learn strategies. You can learn techniques. You can learn so many things when you go into teacher prep program programs. But the one thing that you really can't learn is to be empathetic. Um, and to have a, a heart for kids and really um, love kids genuinely and authentically want to be present and want to help them. And so I think that above all, um, educators who I consider to be teachers with a purpose are those educators who are understanding. You know, they are empathetic, they're compassionate, they're resilient. And to me, they manifest more character traits um, of just good, decent people. Um, opposed to those who may be what we would consider book smart or, um, you know, have a good handle on, on curriculum and instruction. Yeah, absolutely. In your role, when you're seeing teachers teach and you're helping them learn outside of the classroom, what would you say is the best lesson you've learned in helping them become their best? Um, I think th the best lesson that I have learned is teachers want to be supported. I mean, they want to feel um, a sense of encouragement. You know, they, they want to know that they're doing a good job. Um, and, and, and so my role as the title one instructional coach has been perfectly crafted in that light that I am the, the biggest cheerleader for all of the teachers that I work with. Mm -hmm. um, and so initially coming down, I, I, I was I was very conscious of the fact that these teachers here, they didn't know me, you know, so they're probably thinking, here comes this hot shot, you know, <laughs> overall citywide teacher of the year who's going to tell us everything that we're doing wrong. Um, but that wasn't my approach at all. My approach was purely relational. I mean, I, I sought to get to know them. I sought to understand, you know, their passion and why they came into the field and what their ultimate vision was for their classes. And my goal is to just help educators accomplish their own vision. And so when they sit down, when we sit down and they explain to me what they desire um, to see in their classroom, then my goal is to help them accomplish that. And so I'm never critical of, you know, things that I see, even though some things that I see need improvement. Um, I don't approach it like that. I just try to make sure that I'm always supportive um, and I'm always um, trying to help um, educators grow. And so that, that has been the, the biggest thing that I've learned is educators, they want to grow, they want to be supported, um, but you have to make sure that you, you know, you're intentional about supporting them and helping them grow. Yeah. So you're talking all about how you support them. Who supports you? Who, who is your current mentor and why do you look to them for help? That is um, that's a great question as well. <laughs> um, for me, I have several mentors. I mean, so many people that I look to for advice and for inspiration. Um, one mentor 
Um, uh, Pedro Negro, I really look to, to Pedro Negro for a lot of insight and, and advice just based on, you know, hearing him on 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 podcasts or reading his books and reading some of the research that he has put forth um, around the issue of equity. I'm, I'm very passionate about equity and and trying to meet the needs of all students. And so Pedro, he inspires me. And then it's Baruti Kefele, uh, who is a passionate principal motivator who I, I love to, you know, read his books as well. And um, most of my mentors, they have to mentor me at around eight, nine o'clock at night when I get to <laughs> settle down and read their books. I know, um, right? and then And then Hamish Brewer, who I actually met Hamish, um, who is a tremendous um, inspirational leader, you know, from Virginia, you know, like myself. I, I met him at um, a Title I conference. I was presenting um, in a session and he was the keynoter. And so after he presented it, I mean, he was so passionate. I definitely wanted to exchange contact information with him and stay connected with him um, because he is very inspirational. And so, you know, I have a lot of people that I look to to keep me going to kind of uh, re- replenish my cup mm-hmm. um, and, and inspire me. And so those three are pretty much the top for me. Got it. Well, you're talking about looking to them for advice. I want to give you a chance to give out some advice here. So the listeners of this podcast are new teachers. We have some teachers that are in transition, uh, maybe going to a different role or in distress. Maybe their position is going to be extinguished for the next year. And we've even got teacher leaders like yourself. So if you were to pick one of those types of teachers to speak to, give your best piece of advice, who would you choose and what would you tell them? Um, I would probably uh, I would I mean, if I could choose only one, I probably would try to uh, speak to new beginning teachers okay. um, because new beginning teachers are, you know, trying to get acclimated to the field and, you know, trying to um, accomplish their, their, their life's goals and, and save the world, so to speak. Hmm. Um, but a lot of times you have a lot of different people who want to kind of, you know, give you advice or, or, or tell you what you should do. Um, so I would I would just like to say to new beginning teachers, just um, always be mindful of the reason uh, you entered the field of education. Um, along your journey, you're going to have some ups and downs. You're going to have some some highs and some some lows. Um, but you just have to be mindful of the, the, the reason why you entered the field of education. And usually when teachers uh, think about why they entered the field, it's because they simply wanted to make a difference. Yeah. Um, they simply wanted to help somebody, you know, help a child. Um, and so just always be conscious of that one thing, because over time, um, sometimes, you know, our minds can be clouded by um, assessments and, you know, um, due dates and deadlines and paperwork and all of the other things that come with our profession that we may not have necessarily said, hey, I can't wait to do that. <laughs> um, but it comes along with the territory. So you just have to make sure that you are conscious of your why, you know, and you understand that this is your purpose. This is your calling. You have to approach every day as if you're on assignment because, um, you know, you make a difference every day. Approach every day like you're on assignment. I love that. That's good. Well, we talked a little bit uh, before we started recording about podcasts, and so I know that's one way you like to learn, but how else do you just keep current on what's happening to make sure you know you can still have an impact in the educational field? Um, for me, I am probably one of the most rigid individuals in terms of 
how I use my time. Um, I, I, I'm very schedule oriented because I live by the, the principle that what's not scheduled will not get accomplished. Yes. Um, and so usually for me, I try to read at least one scholarly article every week, if not two. Um, but I'm definitely going to read at least one um, in the areas that I'm passionate about, right. you know, social, emotional learning or instructional coaching um, or, you know, teacher burnout, teacher inspiration. Those are some things that I'm very passionate about. So I try to carve out time in my schedule um, weekly to make sure that I'm abreasting what's going on and what's trending in the field of education. Um, because research to me, it gives me so much hope. I mean, when I look at the research in terms of collective efficacy and how teachers who are confident in their ability to make a difference are more likely to make a difference and their um, collective efficacy is a greater academic predictor um, for successful kids, more than parental involvement and more than the kids' previous year scores on assessment. So it's, it's research that really gives me the hope um, to, to stay encouraged and stay inspired and then to relay those messages to all the individuals that I work with and, um, and specifically the teachers that I coach. Um, so reading articles and, and then reading books. I, I love reading Eric Jensen's books. Yeah. Um, I have been reading one of his books, um, Teaching with Poverty in Mind, um, specifically because I work at one of the largest Title I middle schools in the state of Virginia, um, 1,100 students, 92% free or reduced lunch. So I wanted to make sure as I coach teachers, I put them in the best position and, and, and was able to give them the best insight and the best strategy so that they could connect with the kids and, and help the kids, you know, really achieve academic success. So books and, and scholarly articles are um, the, the, the primary, you know, means for me to receive my own professional development. So tell me the secret. You mentioned you read these books and these articles and, that, and then you want to share that information that you've learned with these teachers. Well, no one's just going to want to hear about this amazing article that you read. So how do you bridge <laughs> that relationship so you can pass on the knowledge without it sounding so scholarly or boring or dry? Absolutely. And I think the key um, and this is one thing that I've learned since transitioning from a teacher to a title one instructional coach from working with students to working with adults. I mean, it's really that the similar strategies work for kids. The same strategy works for adults. Um, and it is building rapport. I mean, everybody wants to feel um, trusted. Everybody wants to know um, that they can trust you, um, you know, with information or with uh, you know, uh, direction. And so I was, I would consider myself to be a relational teacher. Um, I, I have written a book titled Relational Teaching Connection is the Key. And in that book, I explain how the teachers who transformed my life, the ones who I mentioned earlier, they were what I consider to be relational teachers. They built a rapport with me and the bridge that they established allowed me to cross over from my world into their world and um, from the low expectations that I had for myself to the high expectations that they had for me. And so I tried to use those same principles as an instructional coach. So my first year um, at my new school, I, I spent the first three or four months just getting to know the teachers, building relationships with them. Um, and then once I felt that we were on um, good terms and we had a, a good rapport established, then it was easy for me to you know, give them some information or have great coaching conversations with them. But to your point, no one really wants to hear anything that you say right. um, until that you, you prove yourself to them in terms of developing a relationship and, and building.
building a rapport. And so every teacher that I work with now, they know without a doubt that I have their best interests in mind and that their success is my success. And so um, I believe that they trust me. And I think that that's that's what has helped me tremendously um, as an instructional coach. Yeah. And I think no one talks about the importance of relationships when you're learning to become a teacher. It's all content. And you mentioned before strategies, techniques, but none of that works if you don't have the relationship. And I wish teachers were encouraged to stop like that can wait. Take the time to make this foundation, because without it, none of the rest matters. Absolutely. You're 100% correct. That's what we've done this year at at the building that I'm at. We have um, our theme for the year um, was, you know, building rapport. Um, And so we've been trying to help uh, teachers understand the the benefits. I mean, the significant benefits of getting connected with the kids, because that's really the key to motivation. A lot of teachers across the nation are having um, issues with what they would be considered, you know, unmotivated learners or disengaged learners. Well, students are always disengaged from the content. No kid really wakes up to say, hey, I can't wait to go into chemistry or, (laughs) you know, I can't wait to get into earth science class or, you know, (laughs) civics. So it's the teacher that actually creates the bridge that allows them to move from disengagement to being highly engaged. And so that's the most important, most critical piece to effective teaching is building rapport. And so we all, you know, who have been working in the field and who may be considered experts in the field, we understand that. Um, But to your point, when you come out of college and you have been in teacher prep programs, you spend so much time, you know, on the the curriculum and the instruction and the content and the pedagogy that Mm -hmm. no one really tells you that, hey, this pedagogy stuff will not work (laughs) unless you develop a relationship with kids. Yeah. And I'm just thinking your experience in a middle school and high school building, that's got to be so much harder because kids are in and out, you know, in a 90 minute or 60 minute period where the elementary school might be a little easier with the kids all day long. And it's just time. Time is there for you to build a relationship. So what do you do in the middle school or high school scenario to build relationships when they're it's just there's not enough time? Yeah, you know, I, I I try to model strategies for teachers and um, I definitely try to get materials in their hands and even um, anticipatory sets. I am big on being intentional with your anticipatory sets and how you start the day and how you start the lesson. Um, because a lot of times when I, I do talk to teachers about building relationships with students, a lot of times they they're like, well, if I spend so much time building relationships, when will I get through the pacing? Right. Um, and so that's a legitimate question. Um, but I explained to them that um, I use the analogy of a train. I said you can be the conductor on the train going 100 miles an hour to get to a destination. I said, and you may get there. You may have covered all of the tracks of curriculum and instruction and alignment. You may have covered everything on the pacing guide. But when you arrive at your destination and you look behind you, there's no one on the train with you. No passengers (laughs) there. And so um, the train is the relationships. (laughs) It's what allows you to maneuver kids and move them from point A to point B, because you might be going 100 miles an hour and you might cover a lot of tracks, a lot of ground. Um, but when you look back, there'll be nobody with you. <laughs> so, um, so you don't want to make that mistake. Well, it's like behavior management and setting those rules and expectations. No one wants to spend the first two weeks or longer going over those <laughs> rules and procedures. But if you don't, you're not going to yes. get anywhere. So same thing Absolutely. for the relationship. Yes. I like yeah, that train analogy. Right. That That is definitely easy to connect. And I hope teachers <laughs> are like, okay, I get it. I'm I'm willing to put in the time. 
Yes, 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 yes. Well, you talked a little bit about being an author and you have your own company. So tell us, what is it that you're working on? What What are you doing? Remind us again the name of your company. Okay, my, my uh, company is Purpose Pushers. Uh-huh. Um, and I do have a website. It's purposepushers.com. Um, I pretty much am an educational consultant. Um, but what, what makes Purpose Push is very unique and very distinguished from other educational consulting um, agencies is the fact that it not only provides research based professional development, um, but it also uh, blends it with motivational speaking. And so um, I've had the privilege of speaking at numerous conferences. Um, I've had the pleasure of speaking at K through 12 schools. I've spoke at universities. Um, I'll be speaking at a conference um, coming up in, um, in February. Um, and so I, I, I've tried to help teachers maintain their passion. My first book that I had written was Overcoming Burnout. And it was um, daily devotionals to inspire teachers because I knew that stress job stress is 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 a bear for everybody i mean no matter what field you work in um, but when you work in the field of education and you have not only the paperwork and the stress of deadlines but you also have vicarious trauma you know some trauma that you might pick up because students might tell you some things that they may have to endure and then of course you have to go home with some of the burden of what they've been carrying and so i knew teachers needed to learn how to handle their stress better and how to replenish themselves and stay in And so that's what kind of led to purpose pushers. I mean, I was in my mind, I was a man on a mission to help teachers be inspired. Um, And so a quote that I I always tell principals when they call me in or they ask me for some advice or some consultations, I tell them that an uninspired teacher cannot be expected to inspire students. Right. And so um, I try to work with with uh, with schools and, and school districts to provide professional development that is not only meaningful and research based, but it's it's inspirational. Um, when it's all said and done, teachers will be inspired. Um, and even um, several schools that I've been to, principals have called me after it was over and said, hey, my staff wants you back. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we've never heard teachers ask for more professional development <laughs> like this. So, you know, you obviously made a good connection with them. And so that's what I desire to do. I, I really want to help teachers be inspired because like I, I feel as if I owe it to the field. You know, yeah. I, I think about who I could have been had I not had um, what I call teachers with a purpose. If I had not had teachers who were inspired and, you know, um, who, who really wanted to make a difference, I wouldn't be the man that I am today. So I feel like it is my obligation to pay it forward and try to help teachers maintain their inspiration. Um, but I'll share this with you, because when I wrote my first book, Overcoming Burnout, it was like, I went to the bank to open up the bank account and the banker who was the the manager, the bank manager, she said, hey, you open up a bank account. So you got a business. What do you do? And I explained that I had just released this book. And she said, well, I wish you had released that book seven years ago. And I said, well, why did you say that? She said, well, because I used to be an English teacher. Oh, get out. <laughs> she, yeah, she said, now I'm a, I'm a bank manager. She said, I didn't even go to college for that. Mm, and so mm-hmm. um, the local news had did a story on my book when it was coming out. You know, the local author wrote this book to help teachers maintain inspiration. And lo and behold, the the, um, the reporter who came to conduct the interview had also been a teacher. And so that's why she said, I wanted to interview you so bad because um, I'm still on the fence. I want to come back into the field. But, you know, I, I had some issues with stress and I kind of took a break, but I really want to come back. And so I just saw how big this 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 need was to right. help teachers maintain their inspiration. 
Um, and I, I saw that as a sign. I said, you know what, maybe, maybe I can help with um, with this a little bit. And so that's what the that's what led to the business. And that's what has you know inspired me to produce books and different types of literature to help teachers not only grow professionally, but also maintain their inspiration um, so that they can make a difference for, for kids. You need to write one about your story. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah, really you know, do. People tell me that all the time, um. But I tell, I said, you know, the thing about my story is it, it's it's still unfolding, and so well, it's like true. I don't even, you know, I don't even know where to start or where to end, you know. Um, but I, I, I am getting ready to release um a book in March, and it is titled The Rap Challenge. Um, and it is what I consider to be um, a culturally relevant curriculum. That's what I call it, oh. because there's like 30, it's 30 poems in it. It's like lyrics to, to songs that I have written um, that covers various topics from um, dealing with trauma to um, handling your emotions and anger. Um, even to, you know, um, finding inspiration for, for teenagers. So um, it, it's going to be pretty much geared towards uh, students in grades six through 12. Um, but it does have some of my story in it because not only did my teachers inspire me um, to change my life, but at the same time, I, I was a writer, you know, and, and I, I wrote a lot and that helped me cope with my own emotion and my own frustrations and my own anger. And so I want to encourage those students who may feel as if they're lost, who may feel that there's no hope, who may feel as if, you know, that they're uh, D, C or, or, or failing students um, to, you know, to be persistent and, and to find a, a, a constructive way to cope. And so this this book will have not only inspirational poems and, and, and song lyrics and raps, but it'll also have an it'll have pages in it where students can write their own story, you know. And that's pretty much the, the gist of it is write your own story. You know, it doesn't matter how your story started. Um, you can change the narrative. You can change the story, um, but you have to be intentional. You have to want it, um, but you can do it. You can overcome whatever you go through. You are just insanely talented. I can't take it. <laughs> I, I appreciate you so much, Gretchen. I truly appreciate uh, you, Gretchen. Thank you. Well, I do want to be you. respectful of your time. So before I let you go, I want to ask you one more question. And okay. that is, how do you reignite that passion and potential as an educator? I know we talked about burnout. So what is it that you do for yourself to stay in love with education? Um, oh, I, I love talking to the educators. I really love having intimate discussions with educators about what made them become educators. Um, and that always refuels me because you may find um, the teacher who would consider themselves to be the most stressed, the most burned out, the most ready to quit um, because of, you know, just handling the responsibilities that come with the profession. But when you get with them on a one on one basis or in an intimate setting and you ask them, hey, why did you become a teacher? I mean, usually the stories are so profound and so personal um, that some, you know, most teachers, they've had an inspirational teacher or somebody who, who wouldn't give up on them. Or in some cases, I've had teachers who said I hadn't had anyone who inspired me. You know, none of the teachers stood out to me. And that's what made them become teachers because they didn't want any other student to feel how they felt, you know, when they were in school. And so it's those stories that teachers possess that sometimes get hidden um, behind all of the paperwork and all of the stress. But it's those stories that always reignite me and inspire me. So one, whenever I get to talk with educators, that's usually the first question. I just want to, hey, what's your story? Mm -hmm. You know, what caused you to become a teacher? Why? Why are you here? You know, and usually 
even as teachers are expressing themselves, they reignite their own passion because they realize that sometimes along the journey, their why gets clouded mm -hmm. um, and they just kind of forget why they wanted to be educators in the first place. But when you revisit that, usually teachers will tell you, yeah, I just wanted to make a difference. And so it is my goal to help them stay true to that. So, you know, I know you may not have signed up for the paperwork and the deadlines and the due dates, but just stay true to why you entered the field in the first place. And it was to make a difference. That's so good. We came for full circle with that. We talked about that a little earlier and you ended with that. And I think that is a great message to just remember your why. Yes, yes, yes. Well, on behalf of Elite Educators Everywhere, thank you for your time. Tell us, where can we connect with you to learn more? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Purpose Pushers. I'm on LinkedIn um, as JT Taylor and also through my website at PurposePushers.com. Um, you can reach me. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a place on my website where you can email me directly or mm -hmm. you can email me at JTWithAPurpose at gmail.com. I would love to hear from other educators um, and, and hopefully as, like the work you're doing, I really appreciate the work you're doing by establishing this massive um, professional learning community for educators because we need things like this. Yes. The constant reminders. It took you a while to hear the same message. And I think it's true for teachers. You know, we we <laughs> need the continuous reminder. Uh, you got this. Here's here's another reason why or here's how. So together, you and I are going to do great things. And any other educator that's going to jump on board and use their platform to help somebody else is going to be part of our mission too. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Gretchen. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate the work that you're doing. And I know for sure you're going to do some great things and um, empowering educators will definitely um, get a larger platform because it's very impactful. Well, thanks thank so you, much, Gretchen. JT. We'll chat again thank soon. Thank you. All right. Look, you take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. Wasn't that an empowering message from JT? I hope you just felt his energy and his passion. He's so genuine and honest and forthcoming about what his life was and what it's becoming and how he plans to do something more. And kids are so much better off because of him. And the colleagues he works with are so much better off because of him. And the leaders that he works alongside are better because of him. And not just because he's pushed past obstacles, but it's the attitude and it's the commitment and the desire to be more than what's around you or what's been spoken of you or about you to take control of your own life and say, what is it that I want to be and what I want to do? And I admire somebody like that. They don't just walk through life. I think I'll do this. I might try this today. I mean, they go out on a mission. JT is on a mission and that mission is on fire. And I am so glad you got to hear his story and his message. If you have any connections with professional development that he could come speak to students or come speak to your staff, please go to the show notes, alwayslesson.com, click on podcast, find this episode, reach out to him, tweet him. I mean, he responds so quickly and is honored that you would even think of him. He is the nicest human on the planet. Bring him in. More folks have to be encouraged by what he is, what he stands for, what he's doing. He's the real deal. I mean, he means it, lives it, breathes it. JT, if you're listening, thank you so much for being on the show. I will never forget you, and I promise that from the bottom of my heart. So thank you for being who you are. I mean, that's really all I can say.
JT says, y'all, purpose is everywhere. All it needs is a push. So that's a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Jakari Taylor. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. (laughs) 